What did you tell me about white women? Oh, there's nothing sneakier than a sneaky white woman. There is nothing sneakier than a sneaky white woman. Be careful. That was like before we didn't even have Karens yet, I think, when I told you that. Or maybe we did. I don't know. Karens have always existed. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Connected with I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. celebrities behind the scenes it's refreshing authentic the whole story specific life altering events to shape the person that you hear we got a champion and carry champion hey girl you did it it's the greatest in sports and entertainment connected with us. every champion and carry champions to be a champion a champion and carry champion hey girl you did it got a champion and carry champion and carry champion greatest greatest in sports and entertainment connected with us. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Naked. Today's episode is like all the episodes, but this one is really near and dear to me because I'm going to say some things that may sound controversial or may sound crazy, but it's just my truth and it's been my experience. I um, have had a very, very difficult professional relationship with white women. Not all white women, but a certain type of white woman. I think that white women can be troubling when it comes to gender, marginalization, um, women's rights, femininity, feminism, whatever label you want to put on it. Because oftentimes we have seen over and over again through the course of history, if not with Donald Trump's election, when we realized that a lot of white women were the reason why he won the election. We thought to ourselves, wait, but you see how he treats women. You see how he behaves. You see what kind of man he is, grabbing by the pussy. Well, how would you vote for somebody like that? And then the, the resounding argument was like, we just didn't trust Hillary. Oh, but you trusted him? To me, that is a perfect example of the very gray relationship that I've seen white women have with voting, with other women who are minorities with leadership, 
with their allegiance to to men, white men in particular, um, it's just also troubling. And it manifests so many different ways. So for me, by way of background, I'll start in my professional career. Whenever I've worked any place, and obviously I have to own some, some of this as well, I've always found that when white women are in charge, they are my most difficult bosses, <laughs> right? Or supervisor, whatever you wanna call it, I get the most grief from them. And in my mind, I go, why can't us, as women, why aren't we um, working together? Like, what is the problem? Don't you remember the struggle when you were coming up before you became the boss? Don't you remember the sexual harassment when you were coming up before you became the boss? Why when women, in particular white women, when they get in power, they forget to send the elevator back down or they forget that they were in the same struggle? Here's an example. A really good friend of mine uh, worked at a company and her and her colleague came in the same time. Uh, she's a black woman. The white woman rose, became a VP of the company, became much more powerful. And she, at one point, became my dear friend's supervisor. And one day she called her up and said, hey, I just want to talk to you about how you are in the office, black woman. She goes, the white woman tells the black woman, don't you think you should smile more at work? Just consider that. Like, could you imagine somebody telling you to smile smile more? What the hell do you mean I should smile more? You, First of all, you just a stank. Second of all, would you ever tell a man that? And third of all, didn't we just, didn't we just rise through the mud together? You just faster than me? And therein lies my issue. That's how they behave. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And in the summer of 2020, I participated in a project called Share the Mic. And it was when... <laughs> We were trying to get these honest conversations going about racial injustice and social justice and what's been going on in America since the beginning of time. And white women gave up their platforms to women of color. And it was a specific group. It was curated by a friend of mine named Bozema St. John. Lovey did it as well. You guys know Lovey. And she's an author, an amazing author. Glennon Doyle, a bunch of different like high profile women came together and decided that we were going to do this exchange that was gonna be really powerful and it was gonna allow women of color to have a bigger platform to share their concerns. And I was assigned Busy Phillips. Busy Phillips, you know her, she's our guest today. Um, <laughs> cult classic, you know, she's been in so many different, the list goes on, what hasn't she been in, right? I went down a list the other day, I was like, wait, hold on, Busy, you've been working since the beginning of time. Freaks and Geeks, Malcolm in the Middle. You guys remember those shows. Um, she's had a lot of great movies. Um, there are a few. I feel pretty. I love that. He's just not into you. Maid of Honor, White Chicks. List goes on and on. She is a working actress. She's had her own show, Dawson's Creek, depending on how old you are. She has been in the game for a long time. And so I'm excited about taking over her platform and finally meeting her. But I have my hesitations. And we talk on the phone. I tell her my concerns. I tell her... I'm just leaving a job where I really had horrible experiences with my one white boss who was a woman who was so mean to me and she made my life miserable, but she was just executing the orders of her white boss who was a male. And I just was like, I can't, I mean, I don't understand why there's no sisterhood. I really just don't trust white women. I get on my nerves, I swear to God. That's the kind of conversation I was having with Busy. <laughs> she turns to me, she goes, listen, we the sneakiest of the sneaky. What? You know how sneaky? Yeah, we're sneaky. But why do you feel that way? And her and I went 
for hours and talked about this and we embarked on a new relationship where she helped me understand how white women are socialized, which is how they in turn act in the workplace or in relationships. Not all white women, but she even explained to me that growing up with her mom, she could discuss her mom out. Always good with her dad, but she'd be like, mom, fuck you. I'm not doing it, fuck you, mom. I'd be like, uh, I wish I would. I wish I would. I, I, listen, I could never. But it explains their lack of allegiance to other women and disrespect of women. Not all white women. I'm talking about a particular type that fits that mold. And then I asked her about the crying. Like, why is crying always a fallback? And this is funny because I cry in the podcast. But <laughs> she she said to me, it's just the tears are the way to get away with whatever you want, to have your way, to to familiarize yourself and get in good position and use your femininity. That vulnerability makes people feel sorry for you in turn they want to do for you. As a black woman, as a black woman, rather, my tears scare. My tears mean anger. My tears do not help me move ahead in the workplace. In fact, I get in more trouble. It makes people uncomfortable as opposed to, oh, she seems tender and sweet. Let me help her. <sighs> That's a whole societal problem. Anyway, I say all that to say that if I hadn't met Busy Phillips at the time in which I met her, I probably would have had a very, very stereotypical, uneducated view of how I felt about white women in the workplace. Not is some of y'all say, okay, Stan, that ain't the point. The point is, is that Busy really gave me an education, but most importantly, a friendship. This woman is an activist, an advocate, a mother, a wife, and she's doing the work. I mean, it's work. It's work to figure out who you are. It's work to hear somebody say they don't like you. It's work to want to be better and make this world a better place. She is doing all the work. And today she gets into it, not only into being a white woman in this world, but also what it means to be a woman, period. From abortion rights to overcoming certain images that she's had in her head about what she should do and look like and be, to being a mother who's completely comfortable with her daughter saying, hey mom, I'm gay. Great. One more thing for me to fight for rights for, you know? I mean, wow, she's just powerful. So listen, parental discretion is advised because we are talking about abortions. She's very vocal about having one and what it felt like and about being raped. We are talking about all of those things. If you are not ready to hear that, you might want to press pause. But I encourage you to listen because it's food for the soul. Busy Phillips on Naked. I'm not trying to be like a white savior out here. You know what I mean? Either. Like, I don't want, I don't want that. But I'm not, I'm just, I just want, I just recognize and I want to be able to point in the direction of the people who have the messages, the right messages, who have the lived experiences and who have the fucking ideas of how to move forward. I'm smart enough to know that I'm not fucking smart enough to figure it all out. I just do, though, fundamentally feel like if you don't see the injustice in this country specifically, but especially, the, I mean, worldwide, obviously, but in we live in this fucking country. And if you can't see the injustice, then you need to get your eyes fucking checked. 
Busy Phillips on paper is a privileged white woman, an actor, an activist, a mother, a wife. Her body of work is also very impressive. Popular TV shows, extremely cult-like, and when I mean cult-like in a good way, movies, white chicks is what I'm thinking of. However, uh, what I have come to learn is that there is so much more to Busy Phillips, so much more to Busy Phillips. And I think it's interesting because after a while, she clearly explains why she is who she is. And she's become actually one of my favorite white people. And I mean that in the best of ways. I was born in Chicago and my parents both had been born and raised in the Chicago area, suburbs of Chicago. And then when I was just before first grade, so like six, five, six, my dad's job got transferred to Arizona. We all went, obviously. And, uh, and that was a big change. Like it was a huge difference. And that's where I grew up. And I uh, always felt a little bit like I didn't fit in there. And I always just like wanted to get out. I just wanted to get out. I went to a huge high school, public high school in Scottsdale. There was one black girl in my class, in the entire class. I remember like getting into fights with kids at school about political beliefs and stuff, you know, that gay gay people should have the right to get married, that love is love, you know, that we need to fight for justice, that abortion should be safe and legal. And then there were situational things that happened to me, trauma, like big T trauma, sexual assault when I was 14. And then when I was 15, getting pregnant by my boyfriend at the time and having an abortion that was really traumatic for me. And I graduated from high school at 17. I turned 18 in June. I moved in July to Los Angeles. And I went to LMU for two years. And then I started, I got started working professionally. When Busy talks about trauma with a capital T, and she says it as if it's very casual, she's not being casual. She wrote about it in her book. But she has been a longtime activist for women's rights. But the capital T trauma is one, being raped at 14, two, at 15, getting pregnant by your then boyfriend, and ultimately getting an abortion. All that happened in a two-year span. Imagine that. I couldn't even imagine. 14 years old, raped, 15 years old, pregnant, then abortion. So I stopped busy and I said, let's get into it. What does it all mean? I know that you take this very seriously, and she does. But I knew there was shame there and that she blamed herself. I know as a kid, she probably blamed herself and maybe even now as an adult. There's somebody listening to this podcast right now who feels the exact same way. And I'm so grateful for Busy for taking the time to really get into her story. Of course, I didn't have the ability to see these things at the time. And, you know, I wasn't in therapy in a real way until much later. But the way that I dealt with being raped at 14 was honestly, I know now very common way that women deal with being sexually assaulted or raped, which was that I took it on myself and then determined that the way that I was going to move forward from that was like, this is like, I wanted that. I am a slut. I'm slutty. I'm a slutty girl and I'm going to give it to you. You know what I mean? And so, and so, and I, you know, I didn't know that that was what I was doing, but that, 
it became my default like in the way that I thought of myself as a girl and then also just you know the 90s were such a fucked time Gary in terms of being a woman because the messages that you're getting Monica Lewinsky's the slut you know the Long Island Lolita you know like all of these things who by the way that Long Island Lolita, what Amy Fisher? I mean, she was a child. She was 16 years old. You know, these were the messages that we were given as young women coming of age. And like for me, there was no conversation in the home. Again, whether it was because my parents were a little bit older and old school and 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 Catholic. I don't know if they thought that things were just going to take care of themselves or what. I don't know what they thought. But um, there was no conversation until I literally was pregnant about sex. It's sad. But I, you know, I also was like, so I was moving through the world. I had this boyfriend. I was in love with him. Of course, I didn't. I wasn't on the pill because I wasn't going to tell anyone I was going to have sex, you know, and I wasn't going to ask him to put a condom on because I'm just this girl. And in my head, you know, like sex, the pleasure of sex was for him. <laughs> like, I didn't know. I mean, I had sex for years before I had an orgasm. Sure. I was like, wait, what is this? Oh, my God, this is it. In 1973, Roe v. Wade made abortion legal. And I'm giving you layman's terms. Since then, depending on what state you live in, Laws have been implemented to make it easy or more difficult to get an abortion if you are a woman. As a result, activists, advocates such as Busy, have decided it's their life right to fight for a woman's right. And she gets into it. She understands that this is such a divisive topic. When I say divisive, I mean you could lose family and friends talking about whether or not an abortion should be legal or or more more specifically when is life conceived conception or at birth i don't want to get into it that's your choice take a listen to busy the choice that i made that was right for me and my family in that moment was for me to have an abortion and it was really hard for me it was really hard for me and and I also, you know, part of the reason why I wanted to write about it in my book, part of the reason why I chose to speak about it at, you know, in front of Congress is that I think that because it's such a divisive subject matter, healthcare matter, a lot of times I, I do feel like the pro-choice side sort of defaults to um, it's not a big deal and I think it's okay for it to be a big deal for women to make the decision to have an abortion and to and to feel even conflicted. I think that's okay too. But the bottom line is this is this is women's health care. It's essential. It's essential women's health care. In actuality, it's like there are all different reasons why women and their doctors decide that abortion is the right thing for them. And there's no way that some, you know, elected official in fucking the middle of nowhere is able to make that decision for a woman 2,000 miles away from him. 
they don't even whisper the erectile dysfunction, by the way. My kids, like my children know what erectile dysfunction is. It, those commercials are so insane. But they like can't show, but you know, for period products, they like use the blue liquid. Yeah, it's insane. It makes no sense. It's complicated. It's difficult. And, and you know, we're sort of, as women have been for so long, taught to just have this like inherent shame about our bodies and that and that our bodies exist for men's what men's idea of beautiful is in that moment and my life and my body is mine and it's not anyone else's you know and the choices that I've made for myself and for my family and continue to make are I am only accountable to myself and my God you know In early May of 2019, after Georgia passed this very controversial law, it was called the Fetal Heartbeat Bill. It banned abortions after six weeks of pregnancy. Later on that evening, then when Busy Phillips had her own talk show, she told the entire nation that she got an abortion when she was 15 years old. Less than a month later, because of that bill, she testified before Congress. I am many things. I am a mother of two wonderful girls, age 10 and five. I am a professional actor for over 20 years. I am a New York Times bestselling author. I am a wife, I am a daughter, I am a talk show host and a volunteer for various children's charities and my kids' schools. I am a sister and I am a best friend. I am also the one in four women in this country who have had an abortion after the governor of Georgia signed Bill HB 481, which would ban abortion at six weeks before most women know they're pregnant. I felt compelled to share my own story on my television show and online. I had an abortion when I was 15 years old in my home state of Arizona in 1994. It was not a decision that I made lightly, but I have never for one moment doubted that it was the right decision for me. But so much has changed in Arizona and many other states since then. If I were that same 15-year-old in Arizona today legally, I would have to get parental consent. I would be forced to undergo a medically unnecessary ultrasound, go to a state-mandated in-person counseling session designed solely to shame me into changing my mind, and then take a state-mandated 24-hour time out to make sure I really know what I wanted. And finally... I would be forced to give the state a reason why. Well, here is mine. It is my body, not the state's. I'm not trying to be like a white savior out here. You know what I mean? Either. Like, I don't want, I don't want that. But I'm not, I'm just, I just want, I just recognize and I want to be able to point in the direction of the people who have the messages, the right messages, who have the lived experiences, and who have the fucking ideas of how to move forward. I'm smart enough to know that I'm not fucking smart enough to figure it all out. I just do, though, fundamentally feel like if you don't see the injustice in this country specifically, but especially, I mean, worldwide, obviously, but in... We live in this fucking country. And if you can't see the injustice, then you need to get your eyes fucking checked. And I and I'm fine if you like love me, white ladies, and you think that I'm your best friend from high school because you watched Dawson's Creek or whatever, and you follow me on Instagram and you love my kids, that's great. I would also just ask that like also you look over here for two and a half seconds. That's all I'm trying to do, you know, and like maybe 
there can be some some shift. I do think that it's important for people with platforms, especially white women, to be loud and to show the fuck up and to point in the direction of the people on the ground that are doing the work because the maternal mortality rate in this country is, I'm gonna cry right now, I, it is unacceptable. And until we all as like women get enough fucking rage about the fact that like black women are dying at a rate of like four times their white counterparts in childbirth, what is happening? We're the richest country in the world, supposedly. It's unacceptable. We need to take health care back from old white men. And that starts at the fucking insurance companies and the government and trickles its way down because they are killing all of us. We'll be back in just a few moments. More Busy Phillips on the other side of the break. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment, connected with. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step, and you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. 
employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. They girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Get naked with Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Naked. Today's guest, Busy Phillips. So I'm curious, Busy, what did you learn through your experience with Carrie about Black women? Wow. Well, um, so Jamel, like Carrie's not my first Black friend. What was so incredible about Carrie was her immediate, like, I'm going to be honest with you. I have not had a good experience with white women. And so right now I'm just coming, I need to tell you where I'm like coming into this from, this space from. And I was like, well, I love a challenge. <laughs> so when Busy Phillips came on my show, my Vice TV show, we both had an emotional moment. Because of the Share the Mic experience, I really was able to get a new friend. And that is a very serious word for me. And I'm confessing to you guys, I have had some serious issues with white women. And I'm sure I'm responsible, just as responsible in certain ways for my complete lack of trust, my inability to communicate, and then my just my overall disdain. Like these are these are serious issues that I've had for years. I'm a grown ass woman. I am a professional. And I just really didn't trust them. And Busy listened. She wasn't trying to be a savior, as she has mentioned before. She listened and she made me feel safe. And then not only did she do that, she went the extra step and became my friend. She is, her heart is so good. I get so emotional sharing this story, but her heart is so good. And it made me realize that everybody ain't the same, Carrie. Even though all your experiences have been awful in the workplace, they aren't, they aren't all the same. And I have to thank her for that. I joke with you guys and say she is my favorite white friend, but I do mean that. I mean that in a way in which she really touched my heart and she changed my spirit because I had an overall disdain, mistrust, can't stand you. Oh, you get on my nerves. Here she comes again. She's sneaky white woman approach. And all that was doing was stopping me and blocking me from whatever I needed to do next. So I'm grateful for her for that moment. But this is where it leads us. She quite honestly says there is a reason to feel that way. Because she's been taught 
and other white women that she knows have been taught to be competitive. And that's where we are right now. Why are women so competitive with one another? I was talking to my friend Ashley Park, who's on Girls 5 Eva with me. Ashley was saying, like, as an Asian actor, I always thought, like, oh, there's only room for one. You know what I mean? In any job. So, like, she was, like, always, like, super competitive. And she's like, only now have I realized, like, that's such fucking bullshit. And that's the thing you and I talked about with women in terms of, like, women. We don't think that, like, there can only be one of you, one of me, one of this other, you know, girl, and then 13 men. And we don't question why there's 13 white men. You know what I mean? We're just like, yep, nope, they're right. There can only be one, one of us. Busy has always talked about how difficult Hollywood is and how tough the business is. I know exactly what she means. Everyone who works in any In any world where there are so few of you, it's always competition. We always think there can only be one. But for whatever reasons, and I think it has a lot to do with her integrity as well as acting ability, Busy has stayed tried and true. Uh, You know her from Dawson's Creek. She's been a part of some amazing hit shows that people love. Uh, Cougar Town, Freaks and Geeks, the list goes on and on. Uh, But for the big screen, I mean, here's some of my favorites. (laughs) Such girl things, right? He's just not that into you. Maid of honor. And last but not least, White chicks. Busy. Talk to me about working with the Wayans brothers. Going into it, like, I was so excited to work with the Wayans. Like, beyond excited to work with the Wayans brothers. Like, I, you know, loved the TV show. I was like that. I watched that when I was a little kid. The Fly Girls, J-Lo. Like, in my head when I was a little kid, Carrie, wanting to be an actor, I was like, I'm going to be one of the white people on In Living Color. And they did not disappoint. They are wonderful. And uh, and I love that they are loyal. They have family around. Like, I respect so much of how they do their business and how they make their movies. And um, whether you think it's it's just dumb funny or you hate it. I, I can't, you know, I love it. So I met Busy at the beginning of COVID, the height of COVID, if you will. And it's been hard for everybody in so many different ways. And I'm not saying her problems are not high class problems because they are. <laughs> but she decided to move to New York. Uh, for her, that was the right decision for her and her family. But in the process, something wonderful happened. And I'm so excited for her. She fell in love with the art again, acting. And she booked a new show that will stream on Peacock. That's NBC's streaming channel. And it's called Girls 5 Eva. The concept is amazing. It begins on May 6th. I encourage everyone just to tune in and pay attention. By way of background, Busy explains how we got to this point. I have been so lucky to be a part of so many iconic shows and movies. And I yes, my career has been so cool. And I've been, you know, very, very, very blessed. But... That being said, I did not, I didn't want to act anymore. I had hit a wall like a few years ago. I just was like, it's too heartbreaking. The business sucks. It's never going to change. It's just too difficult. I don't like, I don't want to be a part of something where I'm not in control of it or where I'm being asked to say, I I don't want to do anything that could hurt somebody. Like I just had all of these things going on in my head. Plus we're living in LA I have two kids who were pretty little at the time and all the jobs I was being offered or 
were, you know, that I would maybe even possibly want were out of town. And I couldn't be, I, I have no judgments about anyone who has to like commute and have kids and, you know, whatever. But that just wasn't, that wasn't what my children required of me. <laughs> and so the podcast, we started the podcast last summer in 2020. And then I was feeling really uneasy in Los Angeles. We tried to look for a house to rent outside of the city, like in Malibu or some, like just somewhere outside of, LA proper and we couldn't find anything we like applied for houses in Malibu we got rejected and and then uh Mark was like looking online and he was like we could get we could rent a townhouse in in Soho right now for what it would cost to have or less than what Malibu is charging and I'm like New York what and he's like I don't know it's just an idea and then the fires started in Los Angeles and I was having a really hard time breathing and I was coughing all the time. And guys, I don't need to tell you in the, in the last year when you have a cough, it's not a great feeling. And it was, it just felt like sort of apocalyptic and very scary. And I just wanted, I was like a little, I was like a bird. I was, I needed to get out. And so I said to Mark, I was like, just book it, book that place. We're out of here. So we left for three weeks. That's what we thought we were going to do. We told the kids they're going to do remote, remote school from New York for three weeks. And on week two, Tina Fey, the Tina Fey, called and said, listen, we have this show. We're only going to do eight episodes because of COVID. It's filming here in New York. We always wanted you for this one part. But because you lived in L.A. and your kids, I was never going to ask you to make that decision because she gets it. But you're here do you want to just stay and do this show? So here's what I love about the show. So it's from Tina Fey, and it's written by this woman, Meredith Scardino, who's just so brilliant. And it's really about, and Carrie, you're going to fucking love it. It's really about women reclaiming their own narrative. And when, you know, we do the flashbacks to the 90s and, uh, and the songs that we sing, like, jailbait, great at sex, but it's our first time. Like, you know, the messages in our songs were being completely controlled by our manager, who's like kind of like a gross old man in the 90s, you know, and we were all essentially teenagers in our early 20s. And, um, and then we come back together as adults, these four women who have this really important formative experience together and who have allowed it to shape them in all different ways. And they find like true friendship and true empowerment through supporting one another and being in a group together, not, not like solo, not out for yourself, like we are best when we're supporting each other and we don't have to like, and we don't have to sing the songs that the men are giving us. We can write our own damn songs. I think the show is a, is a perfect marriage. It is life imitating art because Busy has said over and over again, she was over the business, over the way she was being treated, over the way people treated other women. And this show is arguably an example of what happens when women who were once considered washed up, come together and say, I'm reclaiming 
All That Is Mine, Now That I Am 40 Plus and Empowered. It stars Sarah Bareilles, Renee Elise Goldsberry, and Paula Pell. Uh, you may have seen, I don't know if you follow Busy on Instagram, you may have seen her pole dancing. Yeah, pole dancing, busy, women who don't give a fuck. All the ingredients for a great television show. This is the thing, Carrie, there is such freedom with getting older because you don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? And I swear to God, I made really wild choices in this part, including that I was going to go take pole dancing classes and do the whole pole routine myself. Did I care about the fact that pandemic vibes, I'm maybe some amount of weight up than my normal body that I've been used to for a while? I mean, I did care a bit, but I also was like, fuck it, who cares? You know, and like, just like did it. And I feel really, I don't know. I feel really great. I'm excited for people to see it. Everything happens for a reason. Literally, I believe that. And if you don't, I don't care if you disagree. This show is going to be amazing. But it also just perfectly illustrates where Busy is in her life right now. She's a woman unapologetic, on a mission. An activist, she's not asking for permission, she is taking. And I am so, so proud of her. I'm excited about this new show, Girls 5 Eva. Hopefully, when watching it, you will feel empowered. But more specifically, while listening to this podcast, I hope you felt as if you were being liberated from shame. I hope you felt as if you were not alone in the quest to find some sort of answers that are associated with laws that tell women what to do with their bodies. If you have been raped, if you have had an abortion, if you have been sexually assaulted in any form or fashion, know that you are not the person who did wrong. Know that you are the victim. There should be no question about whether or not you did anything wrong. And I'm being careful in choosing my words because I know how women are. (laughs) We naturally like to take on everything and say, oh, it was our fault, or maybe I should have. We often find ourselves apologizing for no reason. Oh, I'm sorry I'm late. Oh, I'm sorry, thank you for doing that. Oh, sorry, is it okay if I speak now? None of that should be your claim to fame. None of that should be your walk. (sighs) This podcast was incredibly tough to talk about in a way in which I didn't want to offend, people will always be offended, but also in a way in which I wanted to make sure if you are a woman who has experienced any of this, you felt safe, you felt as if someone understood your story and you were not in this alone. We live in a crazy world where men tell us how we should use our bodies when certain beliefs and systems are put in place and we start socializing ourselves according to those beliefs that are put in place. At 15 years old, Busy felt like she couldn't tell her parents she was pregnant because there was shame associated with pregnancy. And they found out she was pregnant by reading her diary. And then she got an abortion. I couldn't even imagine. I mean, I can, but I couldn't even imagine the trauma that she experienced in that moment that she has carried with her throughout her entire life now into adulthood and you know knowingly or unknowingly passing it along to 
her children. We have to end these curses. We have to end these sh the shame that is associated with a natural cycle of life that happens. <sighs> this naked podcast is something, ain't it? I haven't been sexually assaulted. I have been sexually harassed. And here's the, here's the, oh my God, here's the rub with it all. I act like it doesn't happen. As a woman, we have been so used to it, so acclimated to sexual harassment, we act as if it doesn't happen. It is a part of the job. It is a part of our daily experience. It's just what we do. Here's to normalizing saying, stop touching me, sucker. I'm gonna kick your ass. Here's to normalizing saying, I do have the right to choose what I wanna do with my body. Here's to normalizing getting rid of shame when you make a decision that you feel is right for you. Okay, ladies? Fellas, if you listen and pass it along, thank you for listening to this edition of Naked. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.